So this afternoon, we are concluding our four-week series where we've been studying what does Matthew teach us about Jesus' birth in his gospel. We've seen three truths so far. The first is that Jesus is the promised son of Abraham, born in the line of Abraham, who would bring the blessing of salvation to people from every nation, tongue, and tribe. That's the first truth. Second truth is that Jesus is the son of David, born in the line of David, who would establish God's kingdom, which would spread to the very ends of the earth, bringing forgiveness of sins and reconciliation to God for all those who would turn to Jesus and put their trust in him. Then last week we saw, as Christian just read, that Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us, born of a virgin. So he's not just a man, he is a man, fully man, but he's also fully God, God with us. That's not all the angel said. That's not all the truth that Matthew has for us. Let me summarize the scripture that Christian just read and then show you this fourth truth that we're going to be focusing on tonight. As Christian read, Mary and Joseph were engaged. Then Mary was discovered to be, she saw that she was pregnant. And Joseph assumed that this is because she had broken their engagement commitment and had become involved with someone else. So he planned to divorce her, which is what breaking an engagement was described as back in that time. But an angel of the Lord came to him and told him, Joseph, the baby is not from some other man's involvement. Her pregnancy is a miracle brought about by the Holy Spirit, a miracle of conception in her. So go ahead and marry her. And let me tell you everything that Joseph said. In fact, I want us to read this and see it up on the screen, verses 20 and 21. Because the fourth truth we're going to look at is in these two verses. Verse 20, But as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus is from the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means God saves. And in Jesus, God has come to earth to save his people from their sins. That's the fourth truth. Jesus came into the world to save his people from their sins. Now I want to open up what that means. And I'm praying that God will use that verse to help us to see more clearly than maybe ever before the wonder of what we have in Christ's birth this Christmas. And I want to do that by asking a couple questions. First question, what does it mean to be saved? We can use that word a lot, kind of like a cliche, but what does that really mean to be saved? And it's not complicated, just the way that the English word works. It means you're rescued from something that could harm you or that is dangerous to you. So, Kids, if you can't swim and you fall off a boat while it's going, what do you need to be saved from? Drowning, I'll tell you, right? Drowning. Obvious. Or if you're in a house that's burning and you're in that house, what do you need to be saved from? The fire. Okay, it's obvious. Or if you're bitten by a poisonous snake, what do you need to be saved from? That snake's venom. 
the poison. So being saved isn't complicated. It means being rescued from something that will harm us, something that's dangerous to us. So what is it that the angel says we need to be saved from, rescued from? What is it? And it's right there in the verse. He will save his people from their sins. That's what we need to be saved from. That's what is harming us. That's what's so dangerous. Now, that might just be a truth that like bounces off you. It's like, okay, I've heard that before. But let's dig in more deeply. What are sins? I would guess many of us don't feel much danger, much potential harm from sins. What are sins? Lots of people think that sins just means, well, you know, you, you do some bad things, like maybe you cheat on a test at school, possibly, or you steal something from a store, maybe, or you lie to your parents about what you did or didn't do. And if you define sin just as, you know, doing some bad things, you could think, well, yeah, I, I think I probably sinned, actually, it was like four or five days ago I sinned once. I did, I remember that. And before that, maybe uh, like two or three weeks ago, that's how we would view sin if sin is just doing some bad things. And sin is doing bad things, but it's much more than that. And I want to show you a scripture that has helped me understand the harm and the danger that's involved in sin. It's how God describes sin back in the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah, verses 12 and 13. Look at what God says about sin. He says, Jeremiah 2, 12 and 13, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now here's the picture. This is what God's talking about here. God is the most amazing being imaginable. No one loves like God. No one has power like God, like he spoke and the universe existed. No one has wisdom, knowledge like God. No one is perfectly just like God or tenderly compassionate and merciful toward us like God. Nobody has joy like God has in the fellowship of the Trinity. No one is like God. And God created us. Why? Why did he create us? So we could have the joy of knowing him. See, God is the greatest joy in the universe. And he created us with hearts that long for joy. Everything you do is done to gain more joy, gain more happiness. He created us with hearts that long for joy. And our longing for joy, oh, it is so crucial that we understand this. Our longing for joy can only be satisfied in him. In him. Let's picture it like this. Here's water. Okay. Good. And I'll tell you what these are in a moment. Think about it. God is the only fountain of living water. 
Jeremiah 2 says. So this is the best we could do. This is a fountain of living water, okay? Y'all with me here? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, just imagine. Can you hear it? The only fountain there is. You're in the middle of the Lewa Desert in the middle of the summer, and this is the only fountain of living water that there, it, there is. Cold, refreshing, crisp, and clear. There it is. Mm, hope you're not thirsty. I'll give you a drink afterwards. There it is. Okay, so we are thirsty, and God is the only fountain of cold, clear, refreshing water. So what we should be doing is constantly turning to God, getting to know who he is, studying the scriptures, trusting him, talking to him, pouring our souls out before him, obeying him, glorifying him, worshiping him. He is the only fountain of living water, no other water anywhere else. We should be coming to him and seeking him and knowing him and loving him, and our heart thirsts will be fully satisfied when we do that. Because he's the only fountain, and he is a fountain of living water. That's the picture that God wants us to have here. Now, there's a problem, though, and the problem is sin. That's the problem. We all have something in our hearts called sin. And just like Jeremiah 2 says, sin makes us not want to turn to God. It's the craziest thing. We are thirsty for joy. He is the only source of joy. We're thirsty for living water. He's the only source of living water. And something in our hearts makes us say, no, I'd rather create my own sources of joy. I'd rather find my own ways to try to find and seek heart satisfaction. And so what we do, Jeremiah says, is we, we carve out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Now, what are cisterns? We don't use that word very much because we don't have cisterns very much. But what cisterns are, they still are existing in some parts of the world. It's where you would carve out of the rock a basin so that it would catch rainwater, carving at your own cistern. Now, we don't have cisterns today, so let's, let's use these cups instead. Okay, these, we'll imagine that these are, well, it works great because instead of turning to God, the fountain of living water, we try to make our own water cups, which will hold water. But the problem is, see kids, is this water cup going to hold any water, kids? Thank you, kids. No. Adults? No. Thank you. Kids, is this going to hold any water? No. So we try to make our own water cups that we think is going to hold water. It's going to satisfy. It's going to give us something to drink, but they're all broken. All we can do is make broken water cups. So, for example, many people, tragically, because of sin, turn from God, fountain of living water, and make for themselves a broken cup of man-made religions. The world is full of man-made religions. And those man-made religions, there's no water in them. Look, see, remember? Okay, these are broken cups. This can't hold any water. And it's heartbreaking when you think of the millions of people that are pursuing man-made religions and thirsty, thirsty, there's just nothing there. It's heartbreaking, but that's what people do. That's, that's what sin does. Turn from God to man-made religions. Others might turn from God and try to make their own water cup by trying to be popular at school or in the office. But you know, if you, when you do that, we've all done that probably at times, right? It just doesn't last. It's like, where did that go? I thought there was a drop there. There's just nothing there. There's, that's a broken cup. Popularity, seeking that to satisfy your heart thirsts, that is a broken cup. 
What else do we have here? I wrote down one more. Oh, yeah. How about money or career, right? We make our own water cup. Money's going to do it for me. Career's going to do it for me. But, but you know, no matter how advanced you get in your career, no matter how much money you pile up, there's no water there. It's like one more or a little bit more. No, it's empty. There's nothing there. Remember? Okay, these are broken cups. And I try to think of one for the kids. So kids, you might turn away from God and, and think that you can create your own water cup in that toy that your brother or sister has. If I just had that toy to play with, then I'd be happy. Okay, kid, adults, you can probably relate to that too, huh? If I just had that toy, then I'd be happy. But it never works, right? So, oh, I thought for sure there'd be some water there. Oh, wait a minute. It's broken, okay? That's what we do. That's what sin makes us do. Sin means turning from the fountain of living water and making our own cups which always are broken. That's what sin is. Sin means turning from the fountain, making our own broken cups, taking our heart thirsts to something other than God which never satisfies us. And when we understand that that's what sin is, we will see that we've not just sinned, like I think I might have sinned once, maybe four days ago. No, it's not how it works. Before we were saved, we sinned all the time. We constantly ignored God, the fountain of living water. We never turned to God. We just kept coming up with new cups. So I guess I'll try this one. That didn't work. I guess I'll just try this one. You know, just keep going through one after the other, right? That's what we would do. But we never turned to God. I mean, think about it like this. Just remember this past week, okay? Did you have times this past week when you were feeling empty or bored? Times when you were feeling insecure, maybe, or fearful? Times this past week when you were frustrated or disappointed about something? Those are all symptoms of heart thirst. Did you have those this last week? Now, when those came, did you turn to God, the fountain of living water? Did you turn to him, open up the scriptures, seek his face, pour out your soul before him, ask him to strengthen you, ask him to help you, ask him to comfort you? Is that what you did? Or did you instead try to make another broken cup? There's got to be a movie in here that's going to make me happy, right? It's be funny. Maybe there's something tasty in the refrigerator. Maybe that'll help me out. Or maybe buying a new self-help book, get a new start, and kind of a new surge of motivation or energy. Broken cup, broken cup, broken cup, broken cup. That's what sin does. That's sin. We are all thirsty. There's one fountain of living water available for us in knowing God, and sin in our hearts makes us not want to turn from God, makes us want to turn away from God, create our own broken cup so that we can say, well, at least I, I'm, I'm living it my way. I'm making my own choices. I'm independent. I'm, I'm calling the shots, but you're thirsty, aren't you? That's where we're left. What we need to be saved from, the angel said, is sin. He will save his people from their sins. And sin means we turn from the fountain and we make our own Cups which always end up broken. What Jesus saves us from is that 
sin, those sins, that heart power, which makes you not want to turn to God. Now that raises another question. Okay, we need to be saved from sin, but what's so dangerous about sin? Got to be saved from it, harms us, dangerous. What's so dangerous about it? And there's two aspects of it that I hope will help you see how dangerous, harmful sin is. One is the power of sin. And if you think about it, our hearts don't want to turn to the fountain. Why not? We're thirsty. Here's a fountain of cold, refreshing water. Why wouldn't we turn to the fountain? It's because of the power of sin that we have all had in our hearts. We'd rather call the shots ourselves, take the credit for trying to create a cup on our own. We'd rather do that than humbling ourselves before God, worshiping him, acknowledging him as our creator, that we need him, trusting him to help us, trusting him to satisfy us. We get the help, he gets the glory. We don't want that because of the power of sin. We want to get the glory. And that's why we're so quick to turn to man-made religions or popularity or careers Money, boys, which means because of the power of sin in our hearts, we will never find the joy we're craving. It's nowhere else to be found, which is a tragic thing to think about. You long for joy and happiness. We are made that way. And because of the sin in your heart, you will never find it unless you're saved from that sin. There's a second danger that's even worse. Not just the power of sin, but the guilt of sin. How's that worse? Well, think about guilt like this. No one is more loving and patient and merciful than God is. But he's also just. And each of us has turned away from him so many times, dishonoring him, pursuing the broken cups. Each of us has sinned so frequently, so often, that we're all guilty before God. We have been guilty before God. You may not have felt guilty, but we have all been guilty before God. And because of our guilt, God is unable to welcome him into his presence. And because of our guilt, we face God's punishment forever. So feel the predicament that humanity is in because of our sin. We are left empty now with no hope in ourselves of finding the joy we long for, heartbreaking. But even worse, we face God's punishment forever. Empty now for our life, punishment forever. That is a hopeless situation. That's where all of us have been. And I I would guess in a group this size, that's where some of you still are. And we love you. We're glad you're here. Oh, we long to have you here about the salvation from sins that Jesus brings to us. But, But feel the weight of this. If you're not trusting Jesus Christ, if you're not drinking from the fountain, then not only are you doomed to never having the joy, the the fullness that you long for, but you're going to face God's punishment forever. That's your predicament. But the angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. That's amazing. That's exactly what we need. So how does Jesus save us from our sins? By dying on the cross. What happened when Jesus died on the cross? Two things. One, when he died on the cross, he paid for all the guilt, all the guilt of everyone who will turn to him and trust him. That's what Jesus did. So the moment that you turn to Jesus, trust him, forgive me, change me. I want that living water more than anything. The moment you turn to Jesus and trust him, you are instantly forgiven for all of your sins, past, present, and future. The guilt is gone. Before that point, you were here and there was guilt between you and God. You couldn't come to God even if the power was taken away from your heart so you wanted to. That guilt was there. Now that guilt is just gone and you can come. So guilt was paid for by Jesus' death on the cross. But he also dealt with sin's power. How? Well, because he paid for your guilt, he could then pour his Holy Spirit out upon you. And what the Holy Spirit does is amazing. He gives you a, a drink of the, of the fountain. Just, and for the first time, it's like, that's the joy I've been longing for all my life. That's it. <laughs> what if, what's all this stuff? What have I been thinking? There is real joy for me. And that reality of tasting that joy and the power of the Holy Spirit changes your heart. You don't become sinless. You still can get pulled back to this from time to time. It's like, I'm um, pulled back, but... There's nothing there. And you fight against it. You fight the temptation. Lord, help me to fight this temptation because there's real living water that you've tasted and you know nothing else comes close. So Jesus pays for the guilt of your sin and he sets you free from the power of sin. He does it for everyone who turns to him in simple faith and says, Jesus, I trust you. Look at me. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. I trust you to forgive me. I trust you to change me. I trust you to help me. And he will. That's what our Jesus has done for us. Now, with that in mind, let's read verse 21 one more time. I'm, I'm hoping that this is starting to, you, you'll see that this is amazing. This isn't just a Christmas cliche. This is amazing to think of what Jesus came to do. Verse 21, the angel says to Joseph, she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what he does. And what does this mean for us? Two takeaways. First, if you haven't already, trust Jesus to save you from sin's guilt and power. Turn to him right now. Trust him. Jesus I've got sin. I've got a whole mess of broken cups behind me in my history. Just, the, just dozens and dozens of them. Save me from my sins. Forgive me for my sins and set me free from my sins. Turn to him. Confess your sins to him and trust him. He will save you from your sins. That's the first takeaway. Second is this. Continually drink from God, the fountain of living water. First thing in the morning, open up the scriptures, read, drink, seek his face, thank him, worship him, ask for help for the day. As you go through the day, you hit a frustration. Turn back. Oh Lord, help me with this frustration. What should I do? I need your help. Strengthen me. Fill me. 
Somebody hurts you. Oh, Lord, fill me. That hurt is painful. Fill that hurt with your presence so I can forgive them and help them. All through the day, we're turning to the fountain again and again and again. And the fountain doesn't go down in, in the water. It keeps bubbling. Keeps, it's just always there. just ready. Always there. All that we need. Every time for the drinking, you can have your heart thirsts satisfied by turning and drinking. It is that simple. That's what I want to call you to do. He will save his people from their sins, from the guilt of their sins and from the power of their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Now, you might be thinking, okay, but there's some fine print there. Who are his people? Who are his people? The Bible says that Jesus came to save a vast number that no one can count from every nation, tongue, and tribe. And so the way you can tell you're one of God's people is very simple. Turn to him and drink. Turn to Jesus and trust him. God's people are those who turn to Jesus with faith and who drink from the fountain as a result. Simple. Because you're doing that, you are one of God's people. He came to save his people from their sins. So trust Jesus to save you from sins, guilt, and power, first of all. And second, continually drink from God, the fountain of living water. Let's stand. I want to pray this for us. <laughs> Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, being born as a baby, what we're celebrating tonight. And you came and you were born so that you could die and suffer, paying for sin, paying for the guilt of sin. Oh Lord, thank you for coming. Right now, save people in this room, Lord. Right now, give hearts that came in unbelieving, give them faith right now that they would see who you are, Jesus Christ, the reality of your salvation, that they would trust and be forgiven and be freed and enter into a life of drinking from the fountain of living water. And Lord, those of us who are trusting you, that we would see afresh what we have at every moment of every day and that we wouldn't waste time on broken cups, but we would turn to the fountain again and again. In Jesus' name, amen.